We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Because those moments are going to matter months later. Did you show up for me when I was leaning on the floor and cried out because these lessons didn't work for me? How do you partner? Not, don't PD me. How do you partner with me and show up in a way that you're, you are clearly aware of me as an individual, as a human being, as a practitioner, as a professional who was doing this work? Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Craig Martin is an award-winning teacher and principal and frequent speaker on leadership, diversity, equity, inclusion, social-emotional learning, culturally responsive pedagogy and practice, and culturally responsive teaching. He currently serves as the executive director of Bridge Boston Charter School in Boston's Roxbury neighborhood. Craig was named the 2018 National Distinguished Principal by the National Association of Elementary School Principals and 2018 Elementary Principal of the Year by the Massachusetts School Administrators Association. In 2009, Boston Public Schools awarded Craig the Educator of the Year Award. He earned his Bachelor of Arts in Elementary Education from Dillard University in his native New Orleans, Louisiana and his Master of Education from Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This is going to be an exciting episode because personally, I've had interactions with Craig at many of ASCD's events and conferences and MSAA's events and conferences. And I know that whenever I talk to him, I take something away. So welcome, Craig, and and thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, it is my pleasure, Dr. Jones. So excited <laughs> to be spending this time with you, sir. Very excited. Very excited. 
<laughs> yeah, this, I, you know, I remember our first time presenting together was at the ASCD conference. And I, you know, I didn't know who you were. And then, boy, after listening to you, I sure knew I wanted to know who you were. So uh, you've got all this stuff going on. You've got these accolades. You're, you're working with schools and really just ma- helping students make incredible strides in education. And so what is it that you love about being a leader? What's your why? Well, you are so kind. Uh, and, and just in regards to your, uh, your depiction of me, uh, I am humbled to, to, to live in my call, live in the work of being an educator who has the honor and privilege of nurturing uh, young people. Uh, regardless of whether or not they're babes and they're like, you know, in their kinder years or early childhood years to now I've got middle schoolers who smell like middle schoolers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, that part is just remarkable, right? But I also um, am honored to stand in the trenches with a number, like, you know, 50 educators here on campus every day who are trying to impart knowledge and wisdom and heart into young people. So for me, my evolving but very solid why is centered on creating um, bold spaces where people can be all of themselves. Uh, And it's important that they feel safe, that they feel encouraged to take risks, but they bring all the different identities that they have and carry because all of that is integral to them being their best selves. And so It is important for me as I continue to do this work, whether or not it's a classroom or whether or not it is the entire building and campus, that uh, we make sure that it feels safe enough for people to take leaps of faith and be their best selves. That's let's so let's just jump right into it. I I love that answer. I especially love some of the things you said about educators working with children and things like that. But bold spaces create bold spaces. And I know that's central to something you believe in having yeah. to do with safety and people taking risks. So how can you run us through how you create those bold spaces for educators so that they, they feel all right coming in and taking a risk and, and getting, getting on it every day. Or they look at me like, uh, like uh, Craig Martin, you're crazy. Like, uh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm ready to be all of whatever it is you think I'm going to show because it's, a, it's for us to be authentic. You know, people talk about like, you know, be your full self, bring your full self to the work. I am not one of those people who brings all of me because I don't always know whether or not the world needs all of me when I show up. What I do realize, you know, is that I'm going to continue to be very generous in my wisdom and some of the experiences I share uh, because I've learned that some of the even aha moments, the challenges I face have been stepping stones to something greater. And the more that I feel at home with myself, the better opportunities come with young people because I know who I am as an educator. Well, in creating bold spaces for students, one, it has to be inclusive. They have to feel like it is equitable and fair because our kids always talk about, is it fair? Is it just? Is it right? Do you care about me? Are you affirming me? Do you know my name? Do you understand 
you know, all of the things that surface when I walk into the door. Even a little one of my first grade friends was like, do you know my name? Then everybody on the table, do you know my name? Do you know my name? Do you know my name? Because their names, their identities matter. And they see me as a tall person and they want to know this tall guy knows who they are and that they're special and they have gifts and curiosities that make sense for the worlds they're in. Our adults need the same thing. So when you talk about, you know, you asked me the question of, well, how do you make it a bold space for for the adults, um, for teachers? One, it's about um, recognizing that we both share a, a, a common connection around the whole child that we serve. Um, it is important that we nurture them through education, through social emotional learning, movement, wellness, and more. It is also important that we recognize that our staff members come with their own cultural traditions and how they've, uh, their experiences that brought them to the door, and that we don't want them to erase those very important elements because they could be mirrors for the young people we serve, but they also could be you know, sliding doors and windows for other opportunities and conversations that get more of our students and other staff members leaned in. So when you create those bold spaces, it's about how do you get unapologetic and saying, these are the things we stand for. We're student-centered, we're teacher-centric, because you talk about that uh, as you as a leader, being teacher-centric, but being able to create the conditions so that all can thrive. And so whether or not that's tools, professional development, that is actual tangible things they need, but making sure you have all the tools you need to bring as many parts of you to the experience and that you have supports when something falls short uh, of what, you know, you, you may feel you need or how people show up. I love the fact that you talked about windows and mirrors and how you took that from students to teachers, because I find that so often we talk about ways to do these things for students and we kind of glaze over the teacher piece of it, which, you know, obviously is what drives this for me. But you talk about that common connection with adults around the student. Talk to me a little bit about the relationships with the adults, with the teachers, and maybe a personal connection or how we build those personal connections to make that stronger between the teacher and the leader. Mm, great question. Uh, I'm 20 plus years in the business. so vintage now, like a good fine wine. Um, nice pair of jeans. <laughs> I bet you love, right? Ooh, you're like me, Levi's here, yeah, honey. Oh, it's all the rage and I'm holding on to them regardless of the fad. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> what I realized uh, in all of this, goodness, Chris, you, uh, you got, you going to have me all off kilter. You know, I'm trying to stay focused on <laughs> this podcast, man. It's uh, all good. But <laughs> <laughs> when I think about your question, which is focused on just nurturing teachers, uh, you know, what I what I have found, at least in my experience, is one, I don't I want to create professional learning experiences and professional relationships that mirror the best relationships I've ever had. So where other leaders have provided and afforded me the space to be creative and innovative and curious and push boundaries and they get curious with me. Like, Craig, why did you do that? You know, tell me a little bit more about that. What did you why did you do this thing with that means that they were so keenly interested in my craft and me being a better educator that they were giving me feedback or asking me questions that pushed me um, in really profound ways. I find that that is important as well. 
I can't do that if I don't understand someone's why. And even the stuff that we do in PD, I know you've done a ton of work with um, having people center, you know, a school constitution around the why. And I know you've done a, a number of activities and experiences with them, which is super important. But it's how you live that out and how we call each other out on whether or not our connected whys are really clear. What we believe in, how that shows up, we have to ask ourselves those questions. For the teachers who entrusted me to develop them and build them have been only because they felt like, okay, Craig Martin understands me. He comes into the classroom often enough that he recognizes the small wins. He's there for the tough stuff. He gets on his hands and knees and he's right there with me where, you know, I'm, I'm pushing through a thing that I don't know whether or not it's going to work or not. Um, that when I give feedback, yeah, we do the stars and stairs and glows and grows and edges and, you know, all of that stuff. But it really is, you know, when you take all of that away and there's a hard day and you're like, I brought you a hot cocoa or I brought you a cider or you know what? I happen to have some Twizzlers because I see it's a little rough. I see that little biscuit head who running around with the bucket over his head and driving everyone nuts. Let me bring that in. And when they saw that, okay, Craig is leaning in in a way that is very intentional. He sees me, he understands me and he's willing to push me, but he's not going to let me fall and crumble he's going to stand with me. They have trusted me in ways to be more authentic, take more risks. Students generally win. That doesn't always happen because there are times where I push teachers because I'm like, well, the way you're showing up is hurting, um, creating harm. Maybe it's the language, the, your tone. And I've had to have some hard conversations with, with educators who mean well, maybe, but are not showing up in a way that's in alignment to the, what we what we believe is our common wire, common values, our norms. And, and at the end of the day, I got to do what's in, in the best interest of all the children we serve. And if an educator is not showing up in the way that they need to, then, you know, there's other places and spaces where they can serve. Right. You know, I want to talk about that. I'm so glad you mentioned hard conversations when it comes to teachers showing up or not showing up. But one of the things that really stuck out to me is you talking, you're circling back to this idea of why and uh, knowing your why. And I, I was, I was just talking to somebody the other day and they, they were mentioning why and the importance of not just knowing your why, knowing your why is not enough because if it's truly your why, other people have to be able to know your why. You have to communicate it out to the world, which is like, you know, let's level it up a little. So how do leaders... Well, let's let's personalize it to you. How do you show your why to your teachers so that they know what your why is? Oh, well, uh, in my current community, it was one of the first things I said. I said, so I am here for the students. I am here to serve them. I am here to serve children of the world. It does not mean that I'm not here and I won't support you in your um, ascension to evolution as a teacher, but I came here for them. And I sit and I centered my why on let me tell you specifically what sold me on joining this community. And it was two seventh graders who did a tour with me and they told me these very rich stories about teachers of influence and impact. Um, and they told me about the things that they love and adore and how they feel like the school community will better situate them to be successful in life. And I told those stories and 
any investments that I've made financially, like this is what we're going to spend our money on. Or if we're going to do a campaign, like on the calendar, it says a joy, like we have a student culture day in the calendar. We're celebrating students in some way on this day. For me, I'm like, if you don't know that, also come to my office because like I, you know, I know people may not be able to see it visually, but if you look in my office, you see like the, our, our wonderful flag here of intersectionality and LGBTQ plus community students and staff members behind me, as well as my, you know, uh, two universities I've went to. Um, I have a, a big painting that's on my wall that says, yes, we can with a little, you know, chocolate face. And Everything around me has reflections of the young people we serve, whether or not it's cards and pictures they've created, books, but that's, you know, censored. Like, that's who I'm here for. But I'm also here and I have like anecdotes and I also have like little nuggets around the way from educators and staff members who may have given me a card or um, have shared something uh, that they did and felt proud about that I carry with me as well. So I think that. It's important to, you know, if I resurface like what I shared, it is in your messaging. It is in your, in your investments. It is in um, how you show and celebrate that out publicly. So the events that you do, like campaigns, social media, like that's how people, I believe, will see like, OK, every time I turn around, I know Craig is going to do X. Like, I know he's going to be on social media. Guess what's going to be part of his social media? The kids, right? So they know this. And so they understand, like, okay, Craig is all about the kid. And I am. So first of all, that's awesome. And, you know, people can't see it because, well, it's a podcast. But <laughs> looking in the background, as you were spinning around, pointing at all these things that you have sitting right there in your office, that's, it, that's awesome that when somebody walks in, you, and, and let's go back to the mirrors and windows thing, right? You want people to see what they can become, which you're an example of. And you want people to be able to see themselves in that space of what they can become. So it all ties it together. I mean, that's that's fantastic. The question that comes up, though, because especially, you know, for leaders that have to have those hard conversations and, and just a little bit of a background to this or something that happened today, just to lend a little context. We've been starting our principal, our district principal meetings with a few moments where we walk in our why type of thing, where mm. we select over the past two weeks examples that have stood out to us about our why. And um, it can be with staff, it can be with students, it can be anything. And we all share these things. And one of the principals shared that they had to have a couple of tough conversations um, this past week specifically. And they were all geared up for this. And they found that the teacher was very receptive to what they were saying. And actually sat back and reflected and said, you know what, I, yeah, I, I, I could use a little bit of work in there. I, I could do that a little differently. But the leader wasn't sure why that happened. It was almost like organically that suddenly he found these teachers being more reflective, which I would argue it's not necessarily organically. There's something in there that's happening in the building that's making that happen. But when you need, a, when you need to have a hard conversation and you're talking about whys, how can you get a teacher to either uncover or reaffirm their why so that that hard conversation becomes something to grow from and to learn from rather than an ending. I think it's about vantage point um, and perspective. As I said, we all come into this with different experiences that have brought us to the place we are. And, you know, I'll give you some, you know, like, as I was sharing with you before we started the podcast, you know, I have a middle school that's on fire. 
I believe that everyone is here. They care about the kids. I, I do believe that, they, that that's the focus. I don't think people want to work in chaos, but I, we have a different orientation on what we believe is, uh, you know, structured. Like this is the way a, a classroom needs to be structured in order for academic excellence to happen. It can't be birthed in this chaos because what you are, what you believe is important is trying to quell dissension or you don't want people to, you don't want students to have this very vigorous, you know, set of actions that agitate everyone. Pin, you know, just arguments on why did you take my phone, blah, blah, blah. And for me, I'm like, as a teacher, continue, like I'm still a teacher, and as someone who has developed teachers, I understand that there's a certain decorum that is necessary for academic excellence to happen. And that means that students have to be focused. There is a particular way I needed to sit and, and actually engage in context and discourse. Um, I need to see products. Like I need to see students actually working on content focused on the lesson at hand. And it's good to be friendly, but you cannot be friends with students, in my opinion, because their ascension or descension is all contingent upon your viewpoint of I am building you for something greater than I. I am building you for, so that when you go out and you are integrating into the global society, you are productive and innovative and creative. Well, I have some people who are more comfortable with, with trying to get along and, and um, being friendly and, you know, bring, you know, eat the snacks you want, play on your phone. I, but that goes against what is in alignment to what everyone else around them is doing. And then they don't realize that that domino effect really does have, it has a, a detrimental effect on the team and all of the people who are working towards the same goal. And so when I'm having these hard conversations or when we collectively um, are having these hard conversations, we may be saying to you, I, you know, I think you're a good human being. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you do care and love kids, but the way you're showing up, you're, the way your values show up, that structure and rigor is not necessarily part of that expectation. You may not be a good fit here. And so that's tough, but it's real because I need every young, I need every person who, walk, who serves alongside me understand that we are not developing them so that they can just live here in this zip code and in this school building. I need them to have the same persistent and vigilance that I have, that we're preparing them to be absolutely amazing human beings out in the global world. We're going to be connectors and creators speaking multiple languages, that they're going to want to uh, build their own families. They're going to soar with their own dreams and aspirations. And our job is to give them the tools to do it. And if I am not situated to do that for you, then I am doing something that is creating harm because I have not, in my head, envisioned that you are better than anything I can conceive in my mind. And I am tasked with building those skill sets so you can do that. Yeah. Man, <laughs> you are on fire. I, You know, you're talking about values, vision, and the whole idea of that bold space and, and what it takes to create that bold space. 
There's a whole bunch I want to touch on having to do with quelling dissension and um, sparking growth for the future. (laughs) But I just want to take a quick break for our sponsors first. And as soon as we come back, we'll hit on that. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, and we're back with Craig. And, uh, you know, if you just listen to the first half of that, Craig's on fire talking about values and vision and and how you set that bold space up. And, um, you know, Craig, you mentioned something before we left, and that's why I stopped because I think this is going to be a little bigger discussion about quelling dissension and, you know, how a lot of times that dissension gets in the way of the larger picture, right? The vision of growth for the future, um, just to make sure I, I get it right. The listeners hear it again about how, you know, we're tasked as educators with helping people become better versions of themselves in the future, um, not staying stagnant where they are. In my book that's coming out soon, I wrote about engaging teachers in the larger vision of the school, much like that, the, the, the future. And a way to do that is to highlight how their individual values, belief systems, and structures fit into that, mm. into that larger vision so that it can streamline them in and then they're engaged in it and then they're buying in. Yeah. So let's blow that quelling dissension thing up from students to staff. How do we go about the, the dissenting staff that's always out there, whether it's the status quo, let's stay with the status quo, we've always done things that way. That's a hard change to make, yeah. And and the list can go on, but I'm I'm not going to bore people. I want to hear more from you. So how do we how do we go about that? Matter of fact, the listeners want to hear more from you. They don't want to hear me talk about it. So go ahead. Oh gosh, they're gonna be like, uh, you know, this is going on right now in uh, you know, our Congress. Like they're fighting right now for an infrastructure bill as we speak. Oh, oh, oh you're gonna go far with this. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying this was on the headlines, you know, as I you did a little light reading this morning. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, so this is something that I have. Uh, this is something I have uh, as a teacher. Like it's been part. Like I've had a personal lived experience with this as one a teacher and also as an, um, as a leader. When I was a teacher and I didn't feel like uh, the leadership, I didn't feel like we were in alignment to what we saw happening 
I know at that point it was about well whether or not the leader felt it was important for my voice to be represented. Like, do you actually want to engage with me to talk about why it is that this decision that you're making a set of decisions or investments, you know, that that are on taking place? Um, like, do you understand all of the history and work that we've done to get to the place where we are? Sometimes it's because the new leaders join in and they don't know, like, what is the past context? They're just, they've been brought in to move, you know, that school community or the school community that, um, or district, you know, depending on, um, you know, how, how large that campaign is to move some, move something forward. And what I found in both cases as someone who has been a teacher in, in this situation, also as a leader is, are we clear Every year, do we do the check-in and understand, like, this is who we are and this is what we stand for? Are our core values still the same? When new leaders come, in the beginning, it is about us, you know, we may feel compelled by the mission, like, okay, this is the vision work. You love the school, like, you've had these conversations, like, yes, this is what I love. This is what I believe. Yes, I'm here. And then you see that it shows up differently. So whether or not you're talking about social justice, you're talking about, um, you know, battling against uh, housing and immigration and uh, like employment uh, insecurity, like you're you're wondering like, okay, these all sound great, but how does that show up in the space? What I found with educators who have a dissenting view from what might be leadership or maybe, you know, a larger group of body is that a few things are happening. One, it could be that, that, you know, they have not evolved to that school of thought. So if you're talking about social justice and restorative practices, you know, that could be cool and cute as an early childhood from kindergarten through third, but now they're fourth, fifth, sixth, like they're, they're smelling themselves and like literally smelling themselves. And you're like, no, you know, if they toss a football across the, you know, room and break something, they should be suspended. And so like you're now getting into this punitive versus restorative conversation. Some people want you to go hard and be very rigid in regards to how you discipline um, a student. And that's reflective of like, no, we are like either zero tolerance or we have very strong um, and focused uh, expectations around behavior. And that could run up against those who are like, no, we need to talk to them, have them, you know, figure out what they believe in. Like, we, we want them to understand how they created harm, how they impacted the community. And you have these forces fighting against each other at times. Both want the same thing, the kids to recognize how they created harm and the impact on their decision. But they um, have, but it shows up differently. And that means because, the reason why it shows up differently is because your values are where they are at that point in time. And what I found is, as I think about this more broadly, and I, probably, I feel like I'm, yeah, as I, I think about this more broadly, they're particular, we're in a community where, or at least from when I started my career 20 years ago, we have more women uh, and girls who are more empowered to be leaders and, and have a presence and um, be creative and um, really find themselves, uh, you know, at the top of running businesses and organizations, which, I mean, being honest, we're in a, we're in a uh, female-dominated commu- uh, environment, 
but that may not have been what you see outside of it. And so people still may believe in patriarchy. Or when we talk about inclusion from a special ed lens, some people absolutely want to see every kid have access, but access to how long? Like how long does this kid who makes the, all of these noises and does all of these erratic things with their body just because they can't like navigate that for themselves? Well, how long does I, do I tolerate that? Because they were from the perspective and uh, just maybe the time that those kids were in another place. I don't need, like, I don't, I can't do it. And this is, and I think for those people, it's about uh, what uh, Dr. Brene Brown talks about, vulnerability armor. It is now revealing that I, there's something that I might not be able to manage with the level of proficiency and expectation. And so I'm going to push back and I'm going to bring my other friends in and they, we're all going to push back because I've been feel exposed that I can't do and live into the thing that I once was able to mask because it wasn't fully in front of me. And now it is. And so I think that as we're seeing time move forward and there's different movements and different leadership and different thoughts, you know, thought leadership that's happening, it's starting to surface how uh, some things that were hidden for so long and the only ways that I've been able to deal with it is sometimes head on and having conversations and being very honest and having courageous conversations, which sometimes says, well, this is, if I'm the leader and this is where I stand, then, you know, I need you to be in alignment with me to some degree because this is the work we're doing. And if not, you know, I can help you with a reference. But if it is also where I'm seeing a lot of people are like, nah, Craig, you're going too far. It means I need to pause. Because clearly I don't have my pulse on the right things. And if my community is telling me something, then maybe I need to pause and really lean in and listen and learn because we're all working towards the same goals, hopefully. What you said about Brene Brown and her armoring up from vulnerability really hit home. I mean, first of all, I love that uh, book. I love a lot of her work. But um, what st- the thing that instantly comes to me when you talk about armoring up from vulnerability is... Um, another phrase that we often say for students, but sometimes we we miss when we're talking about teachers. You know, when somebody is doing something for as long as they can, like j- just take your inclusion um, example. If somebody's doing something for as long as they can and they get to that point where they really feel in the deep end of the pool, that uh, they're beyond their skill set, what if that dissension or that negativity is coming from a vulnerable place? Because what if we look at them and say, what if this is the best they can do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then where we take it from there. Yeah. And I, I say that because I really want to set you up with this next thing. Uh, we'll see what we can do. But um, the, because I know you do a lot of work with, around equity and um, diversity, inclusion, things like that. But you use the word tolerance. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I haven't been a huge fan of tolerance. because that to me that sounds negative that means like okay well great you're that way i guess i'm i'm going to tolerate you and you know willpower is only so long um it's a finite resource in human beings and so the idea that once that tolerance hits its limit mm-hmm. that person becomes vulnerable and you get outbursts you get pushback you get negativity any idea on how we can take that tolerance piece especially around equity and inclusion and things like that um, and turn it more into acceptance, I- accepting a person for their whole self, warts and all, so to speak. Um, if you're going to accept somebody and tell them you love them or tell them you want them there, 
then you got to accept the the shortcomings with the superstar piece of it. Yeah. And not what's just comfortable for you. It's tough. You know, yeah, I am, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like 40 years, you know, I'm 40 years plus in this thing. And, you know, if I'm to be honest and transparent with you, I know like I'm still unearthing some biases that I'm still trying like, whoa, why does this, think like why is it showing up in this way generally it's around people in traffic and like i don't understand why you're like on the street with me but you know there are some other things when i think about tolerance versus acceptance and just where we are situated in these conversations i think about trying to think about this you know um i'm, I'm not going to be political here i never asked you to be yeah but i'm like you know i I, I I know. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, 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 okay. When I think about um, tolerance and um, acceptance, tolerance to me says, hey, I understand like you might be somewhere in my in, in ecosystem, but I don't have to see you. I don't have, like, I am not going to be imposed upon in your presence. And I am not, I don't have to force myself to conduct myself in a way that shows care and kindness, curiosity. Like, I don't necessarily have, I don't have to do the work to treat you like a human being. So to me, tolerance is like, I know you exist somewhere. Acceptance says, I may not understand your experience and the different variations of your humanity, but I'm willing to get curious and learn with you and journey with you. You too have value. You too are adding commitment. You're like you have contributions to our community and to our society. Just in you being who you are, there are too many of us who can learn just in different little small anecdotes of who you are. Tolerance means that we're we're trying to have people digest an elephant piece by piece, even if we know that. At some juncture, that person is going to throw that entire elephant up because their their bodies is not oriented to take all of that in. Acceptance to me means that it's like water. You know, it's going to pour over you. It's going to go through you. You're going to soak some up. You're going to give back, right? Whether or not that is the love and adoration, your kindness and care, it, you know, those things go a long way. And when I, I look at where we are in this you know, we're not post-racial society. I don't know if anyone, if someone believes we're post-racial, baby, no. <laughs> when I think about the variety, the gumbo, because I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, the richness of, you know, just so many parts in, uh, of human beings. So it's just absolutely amazing from freckles to to the la- the varying languages we speak, whether or not it's Arabic or uh, Turkish or uh, you know, German, like that's pretty amazing and dope. And if I can only tell you from personal lived experience that I understand I fail in my humanity every day because I, I could always be better, but I, I, I keep working at it. And I believe that people around me also are seeing me grow and evolve as a better human being because I'm opening myself up to so many parts of the people who I serve with and I'm open to learning and being a vessel. 
I am not trying to be tolerant of anyone or anything uh, at this juncture because it's a waste of energy. It's either you accept me as being a human being, even if we have the differing beliefs, uh, the differing belief systems, or you, or you don't. And I think in education, if we're working in, in this thing seriously with the young people we serve and the adults that we serve with us, acceptance is the only way. I wish people could see me because I really have nothing else to say after that. I wish people could see me because I think my neck is sore from nodding up and down so much because that is just, yeah, preach. Cause that, that's absolutely um, a fantastic answer to the question about tolerance and acceptance and where, where we are as a society um, on a whole and where we need to be. And we got, we got quite a bit of moving to do. We do. We do. All right. So I've got, we're almost near the end. And I, but I've got two questions I ask everybody. And, uh, you know, they're, they're the only, they're the only two canned questions we've had today. So <laughs> if you weren't a leader and you're still a teacher, so if you weren't a leader or a teacher, yes. who, not what would Craig be? Oh, or not. Huh. I, I would definitely be a bartender in a speakeasy bar. Like that would be what I do. Yes. I, I am. So, I mean, for though I'm like, I'm not an alcoholic, but I do enjoy a good bourbon. Um, I'm just saying there's a number of bourbons that, that I have loved on and they've loved me back. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm right in the camp. I didn't know you were a bourbon drinker. Yes. I didn't know you like bourbon. We, uh, we've got to talk offline. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. We've got to talk. Yes. I mean, I'm from New Orleans. So, of course, I would want, you know, some really great cocktails. And I wanted to, like, it, it goes back to me about creating brave spaces. I want music in the background. I love, like, the 40s, you know, whether or not it's the Harlem Renaissance or Great Gatsby Age, which was earlier than that. Like, I love that feel of live instrumentation and, you know, people decked out and, and feeling themselves and the energy there and good drinks, you know. And, ah, uh, yes, I would be that guy. <laughs> I would be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just the center of it all, hey. making sure people get what they need and enjoying it while you're I'm there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's that's got to be one of the best answers I've I've heard to date on this podcast. Wow. Is a, is a bartender and a speakeasy. Yeah. All right. So let's let's bring it back out to the listeners. Yes. Here's the piece that they walk away with. What's the one piece of advice you would give to all leaders? Mm who are looking to improve how they support, engage, and empower their teachers in, in a better way. Mm. And I'm still, this. so this advice that I'm about to give is advice that I am still nurturing and getting better at. So I'm not there yet. I am definitely better than I started, but I, and I'm on my way. What I would say, Chris, is I have to, walk in believing that each person who serves with me has a desire to live into their purpose, which is educating the young people we serve. And I have to believe that. And I, I, I can't, and I know that it shows up and some people fall short every, you know, every day in regards to this is the expectation and vision and how you show up. But it is gratuitous if you have a growth mindset that you have the 
you have the great blessing to build that skill set, build that muscle so that they can stand out on their own, very strong and ready for the call. You have to spend time not just on the theory and um, and practice, but on the humanity as well. So making sure you do those check-ins, how like not like how are you doing and waiting for like, okay, but also preparing yourself that the okay is like, I am not okay. And these are the things that are plaguing me. And then how do you then lean in and say, well, you know what? I'm gonna put this agenda uh, to the side for five minutes, 10 minutes so that I can lean in with you and check in and see how you're holding up. Because those moments are going to matter months later. Did you show up for me when I was leaning on the floor and cried out because these lessons didn't work for me? How do you partner? Not, don't PD me. How do you partner with me and show up in a way that you're, you are clearly aware of me as an individual, as a human being, as a practitioner, as a professional who was doing this work? Give me feedback that I can use that is actionable so that I can get better at my craft and be a coach at times and cheer me on, you know? So cheering on those who are in the trenches and also be willing to give the hard feedback where you need to. I think people are afraid to do that, to say like, ah, that was rough. But here's the things I think will get better. So I don't want people to think that I'm a softie because I'm not, I'm I'm cuddly, but I'm not a softie. And and the final thing, the fine, uh, one of the final things that I, I'm thinking about with this, and this is just a really key reminder for me, goes back to remembering that people are human. And that is very broad, but is very appropriate. There's a lot of things that are showing up in the background for people when they show up every day. And they may want some of that to be reflected in their lessons and their environment. They may want people to know and it may show up in inappropriate ways. Um, and, and you have to prepare to, you know, refocus them on what's important. But just know that people are human. And so sometimes they need to be fed affirmation. Maybe they need quality time that you and them go out, and, you know, throw a ball together and, and talk. But also know that if you stand in the gap with them, like years down the line, you the, the reward is phenomenal because it's not just about those adults and people who will benefit the kids win every time as well. So, yeah. I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, You were, this was more than I could have ever even hoped for Craig. I, I think tons of people are going to get a ton of value out of this. As soon as they listen to some of these words that you gave us today, uh, these ideas and thoughts around a lot of stuff. I can't imagine that somebody listening to this isn't going to want to get in touch with you. Um, so how, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to, for people to get a hold of you? <laughs> There's a ton, like, I'm out in the social media world. So I'm like, <laughs> you put Craig C. Martin in Boston, you'll find it. But I'm like, I have Linktree, Craig C. Martin. My email, craigcmartin at gmail.com. Craig C. Martin 12 on Twitter. Like, if you just put Craig C. Martin in Boston, you're probably fine. So that would any, be a any, great way to Any good pictures of you when they type in your name or what? Oh, gosh. Like, all the things that are illegal and that have been, you know, paid off. Like, there's some <laughs> stuff that I had to pay TMZ for, you know. That, there's this one thing with cornbread that I got too happy. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, the more, the more you talk, 
<laughs> cornbread too. That's another one of my favorite food groups. It's in its what? own food group. Oh. Absolutely. But no, hey, it's got to be good cornbread. Yes. It, that, that dry flaky <laughs> stuff doesn't do it for me, man. It's got to be good cornbread. Best, best stuff I ever had was from a guy I taught with. I'll yes. never forget it. His name mm. was Chuck. Well, his name was Reginald Williams, but everybody called him Chuck. And right. uh, he was from Georgia. And he brought yeah. in some some of his Georgia cornbread, man. And oh, stop it. It was it was so good. Yes. Yes. But, it's got to have a little silkiness to it, man. It's yes. just a little silkiness to it. Yes. It has its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that went kind of far afield really <laughs> quick. <laughs> but, but I'll uh, I'll put all your I'll put all your contact stuff in um, in in the show notes so so people can get a hold of you and and really Craig from the bottom of my heart I I really appreciate you coming on this is this has been great Hey man it, you you are one of those guys like people won't see it you know out in the visual world but you know you are uh, you love to do the um, the sheets and the signs and I have one for you that says you are amazing in every single way so. <laughs> Right back at you, guy. There you go. Thanks. (laughs) Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.